this is part of the dynasty process or uh <laughs> excuse me the dynasty movement uh ama series and uh we are joined tonight by the lovely tan ho of the dynasty process oh and uh who do we got in the background there that's jasper um he is just making himself a little home in the background nice. i think he's gonna stick around for a little while i take it he's the uh, brains behind the operation Oh, I don't know about that. He's he's a he's a good pup. I don't know if he's a bright one. Let's okay. let's put it that way. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> that's good. Um, for anybody who's listening on Discord, uh, you can obviously see Tan on there. Um, I'm I'm a bit of a noob, uh, so if you want to tune into Twitch, you can see us both there. Um, if not, you know uh, the visual component's not necessary. Um, but yeah. Uh, I figured to to kind of start things off, um, we got a good question from uh, from Burn here. It's actually one of the only good questions from Burn. Um, That's but, what I expected. <laughs> um, it, we we want to know like a little bit more about your background. So he said, you know, given that you're from Canada, um, what got you into football and by extension fantasy analytics? That's a good question. Um, okay, so getting into football. Um, I think I had been given, as a Christmas gift one year, um, Madden 04. And I didn't know anything about Madden at the time. I didn't know anything about NFL at the time. Um, so just kind of like started watching, and I was like a, you know 10 years old or whatever. And, uh, you know, I just started like absorbing all of American football as I can because at that point in my life, America was cool. Um, I don't know if the, I, can, I don't know if I can still say that. It, it's 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 kind of gone up and down since then, obviously. But uh, I've loved football ever since. Um, and then a little while later, I picked up fantasy football um, in high school. Uh, played redraft for quite some time, uh, and then I only got into fantasy football analytics once I started playing dynasty and. Because previous to that, I don't think it really mattered, right? Like, I played against a bunch of high school kids. I didn't really have money. I wasn't really putting money on the line. I wasn't doing anything, like, really serious, you know? It was good to win, but when you're in, I don't know, I was an obsessive kid, 20 ESPN leagues where you just, over the course of the summer, you just kind of, like, hammer through, like, all the drafts or whatever. Um, You know, it's fine, but nobody, like, public leagues are public leagues you know you just do it once and that's like you, the fate of your redraft league it entirely happens on the draft which was just for fun for me right so that part was fine um and then it wasn't until i started doing dynasty that i started doing analytics um and it started with scraping trade values from the trade calculator at the time uh which was dynasty ff tools um uh, by nick sarlo who's no longer doing fantasy tools um or fantasy fantasy analytics rather um but at that time i was basically so i started with copying pasting the values into a spreadsheet um and then started like okay so what's my team worth um and then how does that compare to other teams and basically started spitting it into a spreadsheet um which then i was at this point was still enamored with reddit um so i shared it on dynasty reddit um got a few people requesting hey can you make me such a sheet as well um and it kind of spun from there into um 
you know, okay, so like I've got like 20 people who want me to make them a spreadsheet. This is a job. I don't want a job. I want to do it for fun. So I was like, okay, how can I like make it easier for people to like access my sheet and like put their own league IDs in and whatever, right? And so like I started like hooking up things to um, website scraping and so on. And then it kind of snowballed from there. And a little, less, little less than four or five years later now, um, you know, I'm a full-fledged programmer in data. I wasn't in data at this before this, um, but I now work in data every day um, and kind of owe all of my data work to fantasy football, surprisingly. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you've you've done pretty a pretty good job of parlaying <laughs> that interest into uh, something that's a little more productive than I think most people. I, I think... <laughs> I, I think that, you know, with the amount of time that a lot of people put into fantasy, like, I can't tell you how many times, like, I've heard from other people, and I've heard from myself, like, man, if I was putting all of this time and energy, um, you know, instead of looking at, like, Darius Slayton's, <laughs> what's he going to do in week 12, you know, instead of doing that, like, if I put it into something productive, uh, you know, maybe I'd uh, be doing something like you, but... I hear you do pretty well for yourself sometimes, you know? So, um, no, it's interesting because I always wanted, so I, I made, it's, it's kind of, it's really interesting to think about how, like, your experiences shape who you are, right? And I didn't know it at the time, but when I put myself out on Reddit and put the Excel sheet, I was just sharing, you know, yay, I made a cool Excel sheet. And it's really like the, like, everybody wanting a copy of this and how do you make this for your league that I eventually got into like, okay, well, how do I make it easier and more efficient to do this? Because I'm doing a buttload of coding just for me, right? But not everybody gets that opportunity. Not everybody starts thinking about like, how do I automate this stuff so that other people can use it? Um, And you know, as soon as you start thinking that way, it's, it changes how you approach things. It changes how you look at spreadsheets and, like, your own work. And so that's where the process name came from. I actually initially named the venture Dynasty Dashboard. I actually still own the domain name, and I've had, like, several requests since then. But I'm more than dashboards now. Um, process is kind of I, – I renamed myself Process two or three years ago, and since then it's kind of been just – Things that I think make process more efficient. And it's a little more general, but it's a lot uh, more indicative of how I think about things in terms of making it more efficient um, to do fancy work or to do to think about process. Um, at one point, I wanted to write more about game theory. You, you, you've probably, if you've been spent any time in this Discord, heard me thinking about how I think through things and like reasons why, as opposed to just you know, what is this player worth and so on, right? And if you really get dug deep down into that, I think it's it it it's less transferable to other parts of your life, right? So being in that position where it made me go from to go like from Excel sheet to automating to programming to whatever, it's that's that's the reason why I'm where I'm at today, you know? So Yeah. It's where the process part of the name comes in, and it's just really just making that process better, doing it more efficiently, automatically, etc. Totally, and I, I actually think that that's like a really good way of kind of breaking it down. Like my own experience from uh, 
dynasty f- football is I've I've been in a league I think we're coming up on our like fifth year now um, and it's it's kind of an interesting thing because like you said with like the redraft uh, or going from from redraft to dynasty like redraft really is kind of just you know you start the year off with uh, a bunch of extremely weighted lottery tickets and that is almost always going to determine um, the bulk of your season just from that you know first draft night and I think um, a good um, I feel like right now the the culture behind dynasty fantasy football is really starting to take off and it's interesting as you get into those like post you know year two seasons of a league that's really kind of when the process is really necessary to um, evaluate markets in your league or, um, you know, trade or, or working the waiver wire and things like that. Um, so that, that kind of pivots uh, nicely into um, some questions we, we have here um, that there are currently a lot of second year um, dynasty players that are um, – coming into the server you know they're looking to to absorb things kind of through osmosis like a, a lot of us have um what what's some of the best advice that you could give those people who um are going to have to start seeing their dynasty leagues as dynasty leagues now that they're through that first basically redraft season yeah um i think i've i've had a lot of questions and i've i've had a lot of thoughts about this and i think there is a lot worse than you could be than following the right people and assimilate, like trying to figure out, like your very first job in all and everything, like Dynasty and otherwise, is really curating an information feed and really figuring out how much to trust the things that are coming through. Um, there is Dynasty right now is huge, Dynasty Twitter is huge, Reddit, wherever you get your information, your first job in Dynasty is to filter that information, figure out how much you trust each person and each thing that's coming across your face, and figure out how much to take in from that. Um, There is a lot to be said for just being bare bones, league average. You've seen it a million times where just go with the ADP, whatever falls to you in rookie drafts, you've seen it in trades, you've seen it, you see it everywhere. Start with being, aim to be completely average, in every league and really start thinking like the first thing is always thinking about what you're taking in information wise, like dynasty is a fire hose, football is a fire hose, analytics, edify analytics. There's so much stuff to be like interested in and so on that my first goal is to really figure out that information that you're taking in, who you're listening to, where, what communities you're part of and really like pay attention to those because that really shapes how you approach the game afterwards. But do that, aim to be completely league average, completely majority, completely consensus. You won't kill your team. You might not get like the best right away, but I think if you keep thinking about trying to surround yourself with smarter, better analysts for your feed, that's like the number one advice I can give to anybody in this in playing Dynasty. Um you know, then that lets you start doing things like what I think is my overall analysis philosophy, which is try to take in information as much as you can from both 
analytics and film and figure out how much to weight those and how to balance that as you go forward. Um, it's really hard to parse everything together, but you just have to, you only get, you can only figure out how you do that by do by like feel, um, you know, you're going to make decisions. You're going to be wrong. You're going to be right. You're going to have all of those things go for you, but it really matters who you're listening to and you know, how you're taking that information in, um, you know, really affects how you like the game in a long, in a long-term basis. Totally. And that actually, uh, segues nicely into a question that we have, uh, from, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, um, user Paya from the discord. And they said in regards to kind of figuring those things out with the, the dynasty process calculator, they said, I'm too scared to touch the valuation factor, rookie optimism and future pick values. Um, for someone like me, it's difficult to gauge what others in my league value um, value these at. But the valuation factor seems like an easy spot to add to based on the high cost of star players in my league. Um, how high would you tweak this? Um, and what benchmarks would you use to, um, to sort of gauge that out? For example, like the percent of salary cap of a star player cost. Yeah, um, this definitely changes league to league, and it's one of my main complaints about all the other calculators, if you will, um, is that it's very hard for me, and my calculator is not tons better, but I try, I, I think I'm approaching at a different angle, but it's very hard to provide one number that matches for every league, for every situation, right? Um, you won't know until your second year or third year in a league or your own philosophy or otherwise, right? So it's one of those things where, you know, there are leagues that are designed to be depth first. They, um, like thing red flags for this for me would be like, is it a 14 team, 14 team league more? There's some guy eclipse in this, in this chat or in this video or whatever, who's got a 32 team league, um, single copy apparently, which is bonkers (laughs) to me. Don't, I don't even know. Um, those are leagues where I think for me, depth matters more, but other people look at it like depth matters less. You really need a stud and that stud carries. And then you just fill it with garbage after, um, it like there's arguments to both sides, other things that are instant, like, it's got to be more depth than usual are things like it's best ball in which case you know two will fuller will fuller and brandon cooks types are worth more than you know i'll throw a name out here brandon Ayuk, just to piss off nick um (laughs) and and really that combination of like high fly high upside guys that are worth less overall is worth more than somebody who produced that like receiver 18 on average. Um, so hats off to Ayuk, obviously. That's way more than I expected um, for, from him coming to college. But you talk about that like receiver two type profile. Give me two receiver threes and a best ball over a receiver two. I think that's a very easy math for me because if you get the right guys to spike, it's a very easy win. Um, you get the best of those two every week, it adds up very quickly. Um, so I think it's... For the most part, I actually have it pretty conservative in that if you end up on one side or the other of the slider, um, you're not really going to shoot yourself in the foot. 
um, but it will kind of change how you approach it. You, like I've had debates at length with Joe Sadlowski, who's kind of my um, developer partner um, on this, and we've kind of argued back and forth as to like, but like, is it really easy to know what what the right spot on that is? And I don't like from my end of things. If you're changing it to justify it, you have to realize that you are changing it. If you are changing rookie optimism to a hundred, that's when you start thinking: Is there a reason that I'm doing that? Maybe I'm really high on rookies. I should recognize that I sh like there is research or there are reasons to be lower on rookies than I am. Likewise, you hate the class, you swing it to all the way to the you know to the zeros or whatever. So I think it actually lets you go to fifty or something. Um, either way, you go down that low, and it's like okay, so there are real arguments for the upside. Um, the same with like future picks optimism. Like yeah, I'm really hammering the future picks um, so that they're really worth more. But that's because I'm punting. That's not because that's what they're really worth, you know. Like it's it's it it's very impossible. It's it's nearly impossible to me to say this is what they're really worth. And that's why I approached it with a bunch of sliders to give you a sense of okay, if I'm this much higher on depth than rookies, like my league is or I am or whatever, you're kind of getting that sense that like it's a reminder. Yeah, you really are higher or lower in that sense, right? Um, nothing like. I don't like to think of my calculator as prescriptive, um, but if you are, again, a second-year dynasty user, there are worse things to do than use a couple calculators to check your work um, or to get ideas. And that's that's sort of where you get to as you get more advanced. You can, okay, um, you know, if I could add this player, it would. the calculator says it's close, um, so let's, let's go for that or something like that, right? Like, if you don't really know um, when you're in doubt, that's, it's a good reference. Um, but it's good to move away from calculators as being prescriptive that you should take a trade or not. The, the trades always will kind of make sense one way or another, or, you know, like, there's no one answer for trades, I think. Totally. And uh, kind of piggybacking off of that, like, I've seen a lot of people, um, especially in our community, um, already start to hype up, like, the... Um, the 2023 class. So if somebody's kind of high on that versus being like lower on um, on the draft class next year, um, for example, like what what would you kind of, how should the wheels be turning in their head um, for how they approach that? I kind of have time value of money baked in. Um, I come from a finance background. I went to school for finance. Um, so I have time value of money baked in. I think, you are the idea of trading for 2023 i know i think june who couldn't make it tonight apparently he messaged me to say he wasn't able to join um traded a 2023 first for a 22 for his 2022 first and got like tom brady in the process or something um i get it he thinks that 2023 is a strong class compared to 2022 but anything could happen right like it's really hard to know what a class strength is like. It's really hard to know what a team's strength is like. I think he was saying something about his team. Um, the person he's trading with is a taco, which is totally a factor when you make these trades that I can't evaluate when I'm looking at the bones of the trade on a, on a, on Discord or something. Uh, but from my end of things, you're trading, you're, you're, a lot of things are uncertain when you go for that kind of trade. Um, things like, you know, what happens if that taco 
like leaves this year, rebuilds their team in 2022, and then in 2023, that picks the last one in the draft. You've just traded a mid-2022 second, let's say, which I think that's how you should look at them all, is they're all random 2022 seconds, for a 2022 third, and shit has happened, and you're now way at the end, like, way at the end. Like, you've lost all kinds of value. The other thing that happens is I'm actually really big on the long tail effects of rookies, and I'm, like, Nick's got a question here, I think, about the sophomores, which I can touch on a bit later, which is convert, like, rookies are a a consistent source of value and also the highest variability. So your rookie pick could go off the one you take in 2022, um, that means you've got a full year to evaluate that pick before you get out and trade it again for something else, right? Like, and I'm, I'm a big on the, that movement. I'll go into that in a second. But the idea of trading values for, 20, for like 2022 for 2023 because you think that guy's a taco because you think that class is stronger, totally, 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 like, I can't fathom it because, you know, Journey Brown, we've talked about, you know, he has a heart condition. He can't go. That Your class has gotten, like, smaller right there chris olave returned this year um we talked about um amon richards was a big devy guy at one point and yeah he broke his legs or something um so like a bunch of those guys that make a class look good three years out won't be good or they'll go back to school we talked about etienne and um Najee Harris going back to school. What stops those guys in 2023 from going back a year because they got hurt, right? Like, Tylen Wallace was supposed to come out last year, came out this year. He's significantly worse, right? Like, there's all kinds of these things where you want to convert your picks sooner, not later. To take that opportunity cost now and then assess the value that's returned and then continue to move on with that player. If you're trading it away into the future, you don't have that option. So I very, very strongly believe in time value of money i think there's a strong opportunity cost that you're losing by doing it that way totally yeah and so piggybacking off of like the the question that you said nick had i'm gonna kind of conflate uh here that with um a question from burn so burn was wondering what is your process for evaluating incoming rookies and how would you present that to to off struggling ottawa senators owner eugene melnick (laughs) So Melnick's beyond help. Like, we'll start with that. Um, and despite that, actually, we'll, we'll take a brief hockey aside. He's actually got a good GM in Dorian, I think. Um, he is the biggest handcuff to that whole team. Um, and Dorian is kind of like that poor guy who's doing a really good work in spite of the crazy boss who won't sign Mark Stone, who won't sign, like, you know Carlson like he has to ship these guys out it's like being it's like being the Cleveland Browns GM with Hugh Jackson like it's kind of like that sense where that one guy's working really hard in that GM office they're building all kinds of value they're doing a really good job of evaluating players you know Stutzler looks really good blah 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 but his hands are being tied behind his back and he's still like trying and I, I have to have a lot of respect for that as a GM in Ottawa where like you know, for the longest time, we were like, yeah, Melnick sucks. We're going to give up and root for any team except Toronto, which is really still kind of my like NHL philosophy is 
Yay, is it Toronto? Anybody else? I'll take it. I don't care. That's like me uh, and the Packers, and I guess the Steelers to a lesser extent. No. Bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> we can get into that later. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, getting back to the to the main point there, though, um, in general, um, like, what would you say your process is for evaluating those, like, incoming rookies, like, in a given year? Like, what... Um, what are kind of the main points that get your your head going in a certain direction or the other? Yeah, um, a lot of so when I think about analytics of rookies, you're really looking at a few things, and those the th- the three ish main things. We'll call it four, I guess. But the, like the the thing, there are things before the draft that you look at, and it's basically either analytics or film you can consider athletic metrics a separate thing um but really i think it fits into one of those two categories either analytics or film um there's draft capital and then there's opportunity after the draft um and in terms of like up to the draft and including the draft itself like in terms of the prospect evals you're really trying to balance those two or three factors including draft capital um and it really helps to know how much um each thing should should wait in your process um for me i always start with analytics because that's the thing that happens first film kind of comes out a bit later um and really i have is like zero interest in watching film um i'm not very good i don't like i played football um you know i wish i was like four like four or six eight inches taller than i am so i could have played it at university and continued playing it because i really enjoyed it um but as it is didn't get to play football in university and college and blah 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 but the idea is even having played very little like a bit of football i don't consider my process advantage to be watching film um so instead i'm accumulating grades and overall feelings from a bunch of different sites um to kind of give myself a composite idea of what film thinks of a certain player, give myself a really good idea of analytics. And I spent more time in this before, um, but there's a lot of really good people in analytics um, of football. Um, Thinking about sites like Rotoviz um, and now people kind of doing the work on these processes. there's you know hayden winks who tries to combine those two a bit but like you're talking about a bunch of people that you trust in analytics there's um drew austin chuck etc like there's all sorts of that kind of process that you're adding together um in analytics and it's very easy to understand why's um in analytics like their breakout age this time they spent in college the like those underlying like reasons why are very easy for me to understand um, in terms of um, analytics, film is a bit more mumbo jumbo. I know generally what I'm under, like I understand what they're saying, but I can't pick it up. In um, I can't pick up the film stuff by watching it. So I just kind of like pull like Waldman, PFF, um, Rage EQ is a good one. Um, you just kind of pull like lump all those together, figure out like who you whose analysis you like the best or how you weight those together that's your film score and then between those two you're like the ideal prospects are the ones that like film guys love 
analytics guys love, and they go high, right? Like when you can do all three of those things, just just sign me up on those guys, right? Um, and it's very easy to do that. It's when they dis when they're disparate that it's hard, um, you know. And then of course, are they Canadian? Do they are they like on the Steelers? <laughs> are they taken in the second round? Um, that's the other reason right, to right. do it right, to take a player. Um, and I kind of ended up on an island on Claypool that one. I'm going to end up on an island for Chuba Hubbard and. Um, Josh Palmer, who I was told I'm now high on, but that's 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 a bit of a you know they're a side. They're my guys. <laughs> they're my boys, right? But that's but the, the the whole point is like I think if I had to put percentages before the draft happens, it's like sixty forty analytics to film. Um, when the draft happens, it's like fifty percent draft capital, thirty. 35 40% analytics 10% film like that's that ratio stays the same draft capital is like the same weight altogether combined um except for and I've kind of had this pet theory that NFL like triple counts 40 times for receivers if they especially if they go in the first round and they're only good at speed I've kind of noticed that like I'm like already discounting things like John Ross going 42 what 422 now some some fast not fastest number yeah. rugs kind of fit right into that category for me um darius hayward bay kind of was the old school prototype for that but like if like they're going really high and you can't like analytics and film both agree that it's just because they're fast i'm leery on those guys but you know aside from that draft capital does a pretty darn good job and other like if you're not into those guys, then like you kind of avoiding those guys. Then there's like all the the other guys that are like analytics, film, and capital. Um, Jefferson was a really good example of that. Rager too. Um, there were concerns about Rager, but I, I had about equal exposure to them. Um, so you know they're the same tier. Je- Jefferson went off. Rager did not. Fifty percent hit rate, right? Like you know if you lump them, that's the same same ability, same tier. Fifty yeah. percent, right? So. Um, you know, it's that's a pretty darn good hit rate right there. Like, if you're only looking at those two, which you really shouldn't. But like <laughs> this year, um, I'm sure somebody out there um, is going to ask me for some flag plants. Um, already, like Bateman kind of sticks out, which everybody and their dog in analytics loves. Um, there are people who don't like. Like I'm starting to find the people who don't like Bateman film-wise, um, but it's not enough. Like, and they're very—they feel very similar Knox-wise to the ones that I was hearing about Jefferson. And I pointed this out on a podcast with PA Howdy um, last year that Jefferson's going to feel like AJ Brown from the year before, where he's kind of that third-tier receiver, um, third—not tier, third receiver in the class. No knocks from anybody. Like A plus film, A plus size, A plus um, draft capital. I think his was a B plus or something, but the same idea. Right. No knocks anywhere. Like very clean prospect profiles across the board. That's how. That's what Bateman feels like. That's what Chase would feel like, but except he's going first, so that doesn't really matter. There are knocks on Devonta Smith, but you know, I think on balance, film loves him enough to outweigh analytics as much as some people disagree with that um and i think he's going to go high um 
Waddle is the opposite. I think his analytics pro- his holes outweigh his film holes. Um, so, you know, on the whole, my like flag plant, gla- flag plant guys are the ones who fit clean profiles across those three things. Um, I don't have any flag plant running backs other than Chuba Hubbard. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, Elijah Moore is the other one that's going to go. That's kind of like already early flag plant guy. Um, at films, film loves him, but they've they've kind of like he's a slot receiver only. And even with that, he's going to go first or second round. And if that's the case, all aboard. Like I'm with it. Um, Rondale has questions. Like people are very high on the breakout age thing, but you know I'm a little more leery. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. So like there's all sorts of those guys. Um I'm not a huge flag planter in a sense, but I do like like overall well rounded profiles. Um so I'll stick with that as far as rookies for now. Cool. Yeah. So you mentioned um obviously the, the big receivers. Um so uh Jameis is elite. I think that was a recent uh name change and there was something disparaging Tom Brady. But he you won't say us basically like um, like obviously Chase is probably going to be drafted in your league first, um, but where would you like, uh, you know, you have your pick of the litter. Where would you rank Smith, Chase, and Bateman against each other? They're the same. They're the same tier to me. Um, I would take them in the order of draft capital, but I don't have a separation, and I would comfortably trade whatever perceived value there is from. Um, chase down to Bateman because I think he is good enough to be in the same tier despite any perceived value gaps. Gotcha. But like all three of them are in front of you. You'd probably rank them all about the same. They're the same flat tier. So I would be like pushing like I'll be pushing my arse to to trade something. Um, Even if it's a third. Although in this class, well, it depends. In Superflex, thirds are okay. This year, my my thirds, I'm I'm starting to think about trading them early, um, but you know, there's always that tempt to stay on the trade it on the clock. But uh, you know, we'll we'll kind of we'll kind of uh, see how it goes. Right. At this point. Um, and with Elijah Moore, um, Dima is wants to. I hope that that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> Uh, but he wants to know what do you what do you think of uh, Elijah Moore's year one ceiling is, and do you think that there's a team um, that could draft him that would push him into the first round in rookie drafts? Um, it's hard to have an immediate pro comp for him in terms of in like year one success. Um. We'll see. I mean, there are definite places where he would be, a, like, you know, I've seen, I saw him go to the Chiefs, I think, in a mock recently in the second round. That would be fantastic. I would love it. Um, but, like, who wouldn't want anybody who goes on the Chiefs, goes to the Chiefs in the first or second round? Right. It, it kind of goes together. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, I, basically, in terms of team opportunity, I'd like it to be a pretty good passing offense and a clear route to third or second receiver in that on that team. 
I think I'd be pretty comfortable taking him. Well, if he was comfortably the second receiver on that team, first round, I think. Um, and then if he was comfortably the third receiver or whatever, then second round pretty comfortably. Cool. Um, bringing it back to more general uh, dynasty processes. Um, <laughs> well, let's do a fun question. This one's from Adam, Steelers fan. Uh and he wants to know, what is your most LSD-fueled game theory that the NFL just isn't ready for? Game theory that they're... So, are we, are, am I allowed to say that the Dolphins should take a quarterback? Because I've already said this like a freaking billion times. I don't care. The Dolphins should take a quarterback. Um, or or trade for Deshaun Watson. That would, either of those would be great. Um LSD fuel. <laughs> um, I think we can go crazier than that. Crazier than that. Yeah, like there's got to be something like in the deep id of your mind that's just like clamoring to get out that you're that you've always been maybe too too shy about letting the world know. But here's your opportunity so, to get on the soapbox. Let me think about game theories for a second because. That's really a competitive thing. Um, I talked about quarterbacks needing to be paid more. Um, that's not that spicy. Let's, yeah, let's, do let, you me want keep, to let me keep that working on that like a little bit here. I know we had like a long. Uh, <laughs> that was quite the point of contention in the chat. Uh, but do you, do you want to just kind of go over that really quickly for anyone who maybe missed the opportunity to? So there's a lot of work about uh, wins over replacement that. PFF data scientists are working on um, and I'm a huge fan of if you guys are looking to get into NFL analytics um, PFF uh, Eric Eager and uh, Kevin Cole is now he was on road he's at road and he's now at PFF they're doing a bunch of really cool work um, to apply data science to NFL and they are um, coming up with kind of a wins over replacement model, um, PFF Moo as well comes to mind, um, where it, and this doesn't surprise anybody who's into NFL analytics, but there is a growing sentiment that quarterbacks are responsible for like 30, 40, 50% of a team's variance in wins and losses. Like, they explain more of that than um, any other position, running backs, O-line, edge, cornerbacks. It doesn't really matter. Those people, if you hold all those people's performances um, equal, quarterback ability explains like a dramatically larger portion than the current like 15% of your salary cap goes towards them. And so from a game theory perspective, you need to spend more on that quarterback because otherwise somebody else will do that and another smarter team will figure out how to fill the fill the gaps with more efficient like replacement level or like with scouting or drafting or whatever that they can afford to pay Mahomes 40% 30% of their dra- of their salary cap and i think um, salaries are going to move that way so i really think that it's worth like if you have a star quarterback lock them down now and then start filling like roles around them with as high like 
value here meaning like efficient use of your money to like wins over replacement but you can do that more efficiently than with quarterbacks who you should pay like what they're worth essentially um that's a interesting game theory oh you i've uh, kind of a pet one um this isn't as spicy like it is spicy but it's not as um directly impactful i don't understand why nfl teams have a kicker and a punter like cfl guys are (laughs) cfl has like a kicker punter and you talk about these like guys who are like roster spots and like you know optimizing and you're cutting like good players for your sixth or seventh receiver because you can't fit them on the roster cut your bloody punter you should go for it more often anyway so keep your kicker and make him punt i don't care if your punts are like five yards shorter just no just just cut one of them (laughs) and like i don't get it like you make your like when the when the kicker goes to the cfl and starts punting sure his average is like 40 yards instead of 45 yards i don't care you don't need to punt anyway yeah, that's that's of, that's the weird thing about punting in the NFL to me. Yeah, I, I agree with you that it is kind of weird that the league hasn't quite moved that way yet, given with all like the um, trimming of the fat that the league's gone over the decades. Um, when what would you say is the the biggest change in process that you've made over the last twelve months for both rookies and vets? And that's brought to you by ALB. Alb. Um, So, last year, more than this year, I was very disconnected from the draft for quite, like, from rookies and player evals. I would say it was kind of a bit of a down year, but everybody had a down year, right? Like, pandemic was everybody... um, Pandemic was a bit of, like, a downer for everybody and i wasn't really feeling football um at that point and i like it's interesting to think about because i did like extremely well in my mind in terms of like still picking up with like two weeks three weeks of research like from the draft day to like so my first dynasty league drafts like may I'll say fifth, sixth, something like that. So, like, the week after the draft. And so, like, I, the week before the draft, I kind of, like, woke up, like, holy crap, NFL is still going. <laughs> um, I was kind of in a steep, deep depression at that point. And started, like, okay, so, like, draft capital is kind of, like, expected draft capital looks like this. Analytics really loves these, 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 these guys. I'll just roll with that. And it's really interesting to, like, be able to pick out like you don't need as much time you don't need to sink as much time into it as an average analyst as an average dynasty player it is at least um as is fun you just gotta go for it um and i think people are people like people think it's fun you don't you have a lot of time in your hands but i'm not sure that it's really necessary to spend all that time doing rookie drafts and doing all this practice and doing all this stuff. Um, so I just kind of do it for fun now. And I like having an opinion now and I'm, I'm a little less, I'm doing a little like better emotionally right now in terms of like being more engaged with football and doing things and so on. Um, the world isn't about to end. Um, so I'm a little more aware of it now, but it was an interesting reminder that 
you can parse all the information together. You don't need to be the one who's dialed into everything. Like, you can pick out guys like Gabe Davis on two weeks' notice, and his draft capital is, like, standing out, like, blink, 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 blink. Hello, I'm in the fourth round, and I went in, like, the, I'm in the fourth round of your rookie draft, and it's, like, uh, fifth round capital. Hello. Right? Like, those yeah. are, like, you know, it's not that hard. Like, it, I say hard. It's not that, like, complex a game that you can't you know make up that time quickly so being efficient with your time and i think now i spend more time doing programming and kind of enjoying the overall processes of like the overall dynasty cycle but overall like that's sort of one of the things that like rookie evals wise is you know spend less time your 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 marginal gain on time is like nil um that segues nicely uh nick Nick asked specifically um, about fantasy owners spending far too much time doing something on like a th- that falls more in line on like a season to season basis. But do you think like when we're in the middle of it, is there anything on a week to week basis that people maybe are looking at too much? Yeah. So like in season, you mean like in terms of um, like in season for yeah. what they're doing? Yeah. Um, honestly, I have. Yeah, like, I can get away with my lineups um, for the few that I have left. And yes, Nimrod, I haven't gotten rid of all of my lineup leagues yet. Um, I can get away with, like, going to, like, two things for lineups. Like, I go to expected points, check out the trends, see, like, what surprising um, expected points trends were from the past three weeks, or week or two weeks, or whatever data is available. Um and figure out are those guys like available on the waiver wire or should i be thinking about starting them because i know the models like it kind of they'll regress to the expected points kind of thing um and then just go with the go with the um fantasy pros rankings like i spend zero time thinking about is this a good matchup or that a good matchup or whatever those don't matter defenses don't matter and fantasy defenses don't matter um DSTs don't matter. Get rid of those two. Um, but like in season, efficiency wise, lineups, those things don't matter at all. Like just pick by EP and um, ranking. Chances are you'll be fine. And if you play in enough leagues, um, it it kind of it balances out in the end. And or and or solve all your problems. Do best ball. That is like my number one advice. Not number one. In terms of time efficiency, things you do week to week, screw lineups. So hard. Like just do best ball. You change how you it, it changes how you approach dynasty a bit, but you want those like you want to be researching the cool guys who went off. You want to be ahead of the curve. You want to have a bunch of like high ceiling guys, right? Like right. It, it 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 goes with the whole thesis of dynasty that you're like watching, researching, keeping a pulse on the whole league. So totally go best ball. Um, week to week. Um, the other thing to think about in terms of dynasty week to week is trades. Um, you got to figure out like you spend too much time trying to trade for players. I think you don't spend enough time looking at um, like are they in a position to um, 
are they think are they are is the opponent gonna like is your league bait thinking about rebuilding um that's that's when you can milk a lot of value in trades um crystal ball is good for this because you can start getting a sense of who's going to be out of the picture sooner um that's another that's a dynasty process app if you haven't seen it um but it is basically basically it's a good idea to start thinking about like who's gonna who who's old who's already out of it who could be like surprise rebuild candidates if you get to them first sometimes before they even know it that's worthwhile um in terms of squeezing out value from them um yeah cool um and th this is a question that you usually love asking but uh ghost of june uh wants to know as a general trend uh do you find yourself more likely to react slowly to news slash performances uh, basically, like, do you want to stick with your prior evaluation, or do you react quickly um, to take advantage of that shift? Favorite questions. Um, I always, I'm pushing myself always to make evaluations faster. Um, I'm not always. I, I don't think I make them fast enough, and I think I make them faster than many, but basically. There's a good amount of science and work and really, like, statistics as far as, like, being able to look at that small sample and understand the new range of outcomes. And it's one of the things that I think people don't do enough is react quicker based on the information that they're that's being given to them. Um, so I'm always looking, like, as a general rule, I am pushing myself and I'm telling myself to react quicker to what's going on than others. I want to make an educated guess when I see a buy low sheet to start thinking about how what what's the sell. And I want to think, like, I want to react more quickly to what's going on. Um, there is an appropriate amount. And if you are very good with Bayesian thinking, like understanding the prior and understanding the strength of the new information um, really helps. But I'm looking at it more like biases. Like, inherently, I, um, I like think that I'm put, I'm like fighting against like inner me. Like, there's like two people in my head, you know. Like, there's the person who like spent all the work and time and effort in the off season to make opinions on players and buy those players and do all those things. That little person in your head, and what doesn't get spoken enough before I started like making a point to emphasize it is can we can like can I make an educated guess based on what I'm seeing and what I know of their history like combine those two to counteract my inherent anchoring bias and you know no matter what I do I don't think I react fast enough that's really what it is um you know there's that opens me up to all kinds of recency biases but you know you kind of start with like being recency biased then you move to anchoring bias and now i'm kind of back around to can't be scared of the recency bias problems right because anchoring biases are worse yeah do you do you have any like um do, do you have any like thought processes on like since you're trying to react quicker to, to news of something, do you have any way of kind of sorting out in your head of what you think is going to be like a legit shift 
in um, in like a player's value versus maybe like a, a one-off fluke? Is there anything that, that immediately jumps out to you either way um, when it comes to those two directions that something like that can go? Yeah. Um, I look at EP a lot for breakouts, and I think like I, I owe EP um, immensely for being able to tag, like pick out early season um, late round receivers. Like the early season waiver work is really a part and parcel of am I understanding the signals that are being given in the first two weeks or the first last two, like the, the preseason and the first two weeks? Have I correctly assessed that signal in terms of breakout? Like who's getting the snaps? Who what? Who's trending up in snaps? Who's um, getting the expected points that they're not producing at yet, but they're getting these targets and they're getting valuable targets in the red zone. Um, how do I like find those high EP players now and that's that's really where i think you know that's one of the edges that you can have at this point is you know no production yet or limited production or half the production ep kind of always wins to me and i find that the regression is more likely to be their points match the ep rather than they suck their ep falls to their performance um you can kind of look the other way and say AJ Green's EP matched his eventual shittiness. Like he started, he kept getting the opportunities until he's proved that he d- deserved them. But that's the risk you take, right? Um, EP is a very good early signal in terms of breakouts. Um, the opposite is kind of my sophomore theory. I've kind of danced around this, and I'll I'll, I'll go into it now, I guess. Um, but the one year of sample, I don't think people look at enough. Like. The one whole season that's happened, I think you can kind of draw two conclusions, right? Like, either they're good, in which case you know that... Or sorry, I, we'll start with the case that they're bad. They're, if they're bad, you've got a whole year of evidence that they're bad, that people are completely ignoring for the... Like, a lot of people kind of think, oh, there's a Rager... Like, you know, Rager has all this anchoring biases and very good... Um, profile he's analytics he's still the first receiver on the eagles he's still um fast he had injury excuses Wentz sucked massive balls it doesn't matter right like from my end of things i have a year of evidence that he couldn't break out on a meh team i would like to move on from him i you know i would move it for a second right like any second um, and re-roll the dice on this class on like an Elijah Moore, who I think pretty close, right? Like similarly small, similarly fast, similarly first two rounds. Sure, he doesn't have the high first round, the twenty-third, so late, mid-late first round capital. But you've got a whole year of evidence against Rager. You've got a whole year of evidence against Hare. You've got a whole year of evidence against Corey Davis, who I know you are huge on, right? <laughs> All of those guys. I looked at one year of and I said, I'm out. I will find somebody who likes the profile, who's anchored on that profile. In my mind, they're not necessarily anchored. Davis eventually proved it. But um, the idea is that risk profile with a whole year of downgrade or like average to low 
people will still be high on because of anchoring. So I'm like, here on, I will sell for this value and find somebody who has a similar range of outcomes, in my view, because they have, because I think the range of outcomes for that year, like for that sophomore has gone down. So if Rager like explodes in year two, he has about the same probability of that as let's say second round Elijah Moore, second round draft rookie pick Elijah Moore has for that upside. Um, but if Elijah, if, if, you know, they kind of maintain that kind of average to poor, like they both do that, you can sell Elijah Moore for higher than you would get for Rager with two years of sucking. So in my mind, I'm looking to push that limit forward. I'm looking to get out earlier um, on those guys. When they show you that they're bad in their first year, find someone who's going to take that risk on for you. Because I think that range of outcomes is not worth it. Yeah, and um, Leroy actually asked kind of kind of the inverse of that belief. Um, and he said, is someone who is typically out on wide receivers who don't hit in their rookie season, if you had to pick one of the 2020 rookies who disappointed um, to make an impact in 2021, who would it be and why? So NFL and Dynasty is immensely low on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And he, by some definitions, disappointed. But tell me about a first-round running back with, like, a, a running back with first-round draft capital who's produced at a receiver, like, a running back, like, 13, running back 12, like, like RB1, really. Like, that's that, like, you would give credit for that. And they're still being credited at, like, RB18, 19, right? Like, I would totally take the difference there. I don't, like, I don't see him as being a step behind James Robinson, who are people are high on, right? Like he, James Robinson's far more likely to be replaced than Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And yet people will straight up trade him for James Robinson. I don't get it, but that's the guy I think who disappointed. And I would still trade for, um, a Clyde Edward Hilaire, for example, does that not like, would I trade Clyde? Like, would I trade, other rookies who are like who would perform the Clyde Edwards Hilaire. If I could get the average return you would get for a first round running back who you took 101 overall and finished RB13, if you took the names off and you looked at the profile and the team and the overall everything, it's very easy to do that and to like get a whole bunch better return than you would get for Clyde Edwards Hilaire today. So that's the one. If you're already on him, I would hold. If you are looking to buy a rookie, that's the one I would try for. Um, I really liked also uh, KJ Hamler. is kind of my favorite. Um, in terms of he's kind of like Elijah Moore before Elijah Moore, second round draft capital, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he did produce when he was on the field, right? Like he's in a bit of a messy situation um people could be down um because he's arguably the like the worst case scenario he's the fourth team he's the fourth receiving option on the team um but i did like his profile before the before uh the draft i liked his production when he was on the field he earned 
I want to say like nearly as much expected points as Judy when he was on the field and um, Hamlin was on the field. Like when they were on the field together and games they were together, it was like close enough that you're not justifying a full round gap between them in value. Like I, I don't see that. I don't. I still don't see it. But those are the guys I think I would be buying from the 2020 class if I had to. Um, I would probably not be buying overall sophomores just because in general I find that I'm lower on them but if I did I think those are the guys I would pick out um, oh and also of course uh, Claypool, TM that's my boy alright that's uh, that's 2020 I'm kind of moving on though so. yeah, totally uh, on the inverse just while we're on that are there any guys who gave a strong performance any rookies this year who gave a strong performance that you're still kind of skeptical on um i don't know if it's a skeptical thing okay so i think joe burrow is really good but i think i would trade him right now if he's currently being valued in the top let me consult the number here for a second he's like quarterback I don't know, he's in like the first round of Dynasty Draft sometimes. Um, I think you could trade down from Joe Burrow, get a equally serviceable quarterback, and a, a pretty good chunk of value. He did he did really well in the thing that, like in the limited time, but like it is possible to trade down from Joe Burrow for somebody with a similar quarterback profile. They kind of look good quarterbacks here for a second. He's QB9. I would trade Burrow for Tannehill and a first blindfolded. Like I like don't like I instantly hammering that kind of button right now. Um I love Tannehill. Um Analytics loves Tannehill. And you know, as far as like he's incredibly efficient, he he produces EPA, which means he's a really good quarterback. Um he produces he completes more than his expected. You you've got a coordinator change. Um, so, you know, the overall pass run, run splits could change. Um, either way, I'm seeing all this stuff analytically that Tannehill is like a top three quarterback in terms of overall production and performance um, in the NFL. So if I could trade Joe Burrow for Tannehill and a first, easily doing it, right? Like instantly. Um, and I think that trade's probably out there if you're listening to this. Um, you probably would hate yourself for doing it. Um, but Burrow's coming off a pretty big injury, um, so there is downside risk as he like kind of comes up, comes recovers from that. Um, but on the whole, I think that's an easy like that's the 2020 rookie that I'm looking at. Did well, um, some skepticism uh, longer term. Yeah, and Tannehill might have that uh, big uptick if Corey Davis stays too. Um, <laughs> Uh, how, uh, MX no comment. VR. I, I'm never sure how Max. to pronounce that. Oh, it's just Max? Okay, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> but he wants to know, um, how do you expect virtual combines uh, slash interviews and the reports that scouting departments are responding in very different fashions, uh, some with their shit together, others being pretty clueless, to impact EDP for players outside of the first round um, in the NFL draft? Uh, with this news, are there teams you are more or less likely to gravitate towards based on the strength of their scouting department track records? I think that's... I wouldn't necessarily... 
me think about that for a second. Um, there are definitely teams that I think are better at scouting and analytics. That doesn't mean that I would be gravitating to them in terms of being better at evaluating players for fantasy. Um, I would probably... Yeah, I think, like, the the thing that, like, if we talk, we everybody knows that draft capital is an immense signal, right? Like, everybody understands draft capital matters and just go with draft capital when in doubt, blah, blah, blah. But one of the things that draft capital really does signify is, like, the team is going to give that player opportunity. It's not just that they are good which is like draft capital is a summary of a team's opinion of a player but it's also a predictive signal in how much opportunity they're going to be given um so in that sense it doesn't really matter who's being who's being taken right you're 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 still going to get the same amount of opportunity on that team because you were a third round pick or a second round pick you kind of still have the same status if you will um what will be interesting is the like so yeah so i don't think once they are taken i don't think i would be treating them much differently if differently at all in terms of how like underprepared a scouting scouting team is or whatever um what would be really interesting to me is understanding like we kind of have a di dichotomy of guys that analytics really likes and guys that film really likes. Is it an opportunity for analytics, especially with how big analytics is on early early college production and fewer years in school, is it an opportunity for those parts of organizations to make their teams functionally better, right? Like that, like analytics in Dynasty and analytics in NFL do line up in that sense where early production in college is something that um you know the nfl analytics teams are picking up on and if so are we going to see analytics start to outweigh quote-unquote good film in uh draft rooms if they do i would be very keen to see it like trickle down longer term but i don't think it's going to be a instant thing like virtual draft rooms it's like yeah i think there will be a wider variation than normal but the actual players that get taken and the opportunities that they're going to be given are going to be the same i think as in previous years i don't think they will be much different if different at all and really it's rolling the lottery dice on someone else and you don't know how much of that is really that player versus the opportunities they were given. Um, talent is talent is talent, but everybody who goes in the draft is talented. And if you gave them opportunities, you might see more. Uh, you might see them just take that opportunity, right? Like it. Right. I don't see it like. I don't see it like it's a. It's harmful for teams. Like I don't. I wouldn't gravitate to teams. Especially from a fantasy perspective, I would absolutely not gravitate to certain teams for being better scouting or better analytics. Um, I'd be curious about it from an NFL-wide perspective, that if teams are suddenly all of a sudden better because they are analytics-heavy or worse. 
but I don't think that's a fantasy signal. Gotcha. Going further into uh, um, kind of the pre-draft for the NFL, uh, Nick wanted you to expand on um, a statement you made earlier uh, for discounting pro days that are held under the same laser finish system being wrong. Yeah. Um, so the main reason... So I hear a lot about players who ran both at the Combine and at Pro Days. Um, part of that is the hand... Part of that is that sometimes they're fully hand-timed. Hand, like reaction times, have a much wider variability, so they're generally less reliable. It's not necessarily true that hand times are faster, although on average it can be. Um, but presuming that that's held the same, which you know NFL seems to think that they are, I think it's very much selection bias that you see any sort of statistic that says this person ran this time at their at the combine and this time at the pro day, and it, the pro day was 0 0.05 seconds faster. I look at that and I think that is absolutely selection bias, and I don't trust that sort of adjustment whatsoever. And here's the reason why. If you think about, like, anybody, like, let's say you were going to run a 40, your range of outcomes is something like, I'll give you a lot of credit here, and we'll say, like, five seconds. Um, uh, it could be from 4.9 seconds to 5.1 seconds. Five, so 4.90 to 5.10. Um it could be anywhere from there. But, and so, like, let's say that, like, you ran five seconds flat and you knew you were, like, that's, like, 50th percentile outcome for you. I don't think you run again at your pro day because that's pretty good representation of your of your speed, right? Like, any, like, your, your range of outcomes at any sort of combine could be anywhere from zero to a hundred in terms of your overall range of outcomes. It's probably going to be 50th or 60th percentile, but sometimes you have a really good run and sometimes you have a really bad run. But I don't think the people who are running at their pro days have performed in their own minds better than like 40th percentile, you know, like, if you ran 5.05 and you thought you really could hit 4.95 with like 60% probability or more, you would totally run again, right? Like, right. absolutely you would run again. So, you know, the very worst thing you could do is run the same time as your combine, but you have a pretty good odds of improving that. So the people who run again ran their combine at a lower part of the range of outcomes. Like... 20th 25th percentile for example so you know there's no real gain if you're like and and pro pro range of outcomes yours was like 0.2 seconds 0.1 in either direction pro outcomes are more like 0.05 in either direction right like it's much smaller range so if you're going to run again you could hurt your profile because you run slower so you only run it if you think you're going to be faster so if you only run it because you think you're going to be faster, and that's true of 1,000 prospects, it's very much that pro days are going to be faster than combine times if you run both. 
because the people who did run good combine times or 50 percentile or whatever won't run again so the idea that you can discount it by a certain amount because you looked at the math and this person ran it twice and they ran it like five seconds fast 0.05 seconds fa uh, faster at the pro day hogwash completely <laughs> i completely throw it all out gotcha um looking at uh prospects further adam wants to know do you feel that an analytics driven process has any blind spots when it comes to evaluating prospects yes small schools um teammate scores to another extent we don't know how to do those at this point i think well we are there are and the reason why you, it's hard is because um we're looking at a small sample already and diluting it to understand the effect of um small schools strength of competition um etc it's hard like i don't think it improves like you get into like overfitting very quickly because you're looking at a much smaller number of people who come from small schools right so understanding how to discount those i don't think is that good at this point um and then film is the other blind spot that i don't think enough processes incorporate well um you know a lot of people are trying to make a name for themselves as analytics only um modelers and i think that's doing themselves a disservice um there are teams there are analysts out there um who work in film and try to work in expected draft position um grinding them like if you take grinding the mocks edp as one of the predictors um or mock draft database or whatever um try to to kind of have an even like before the draft their expected draft position kind of model i think you would do even better than you do now and understanding that like certain players are going to go high even if the analytics profile doesn't 100 percent support it is something that processes don't look at enough um you know there's no there's no there's no prize for developing a model that only looks at data and doesn't look at film it doesn't look at metrics it doesn't look at expected draft capital it doesn't look at teammate scores which i still i'm a little leery on um myself but that's because i don't i i know that i don't know with with teammate scores um so i i'll lean to what i do know which is playing it a little conservative but that's okay in my mind um but if you're trying to ignore all of those things there's no prize to being the best analyst who only uses film there's no prize to be the only analyst the best analyst who only uses data like there is no there's no winning with that to me so data processes haven't gone there yet and i think they should um and i think it's a blind spot for sure um well being that you are uh, like a pretty big analytics guy nick wanted to know how exactly if at all does film play into your process in general yeah um pff is kind of a pretty good start for me in terms of being broadly accessible um film wise uh i, I always i'm an annual subscriber of waldman um 
His takes are different, but it kind of opens me to being less opposed to guys who he likes, right? Like, you want to, like, open... Like, it's very easy to, be, to, like, fade them, right? Like, you can you hear about all the time, people fade this player. Um, if film kind of reopens that for you, I think it's a good it's a good part of your process where they have 50%, like, they're 50th percentile, so they're average. Devonta Smith is average, profile-wise. Um, as much as Alb, who's going to listen to this later, I'm sure, um, will say that he's dog shit um, and didn't break out early and he's old, he did produce. And so, like, any analyst person who tells you he didn't produce in his time in at Alabama, um, I think that's wrong. Um, and film people having him that freaking high, I think it's worth kind of looking at um, and kind of incorporating into your, like being open-minded about that. You know what I mean? Um, especially if they go high um, and higher than you want. It doesn't mean that I'm going to do film over analytics. Um, you know, people were high on Ayuk. I was absolutely not. He went in the first round when I thought he was like a third round prospect. I'll admit to being wrong there. Um, I don't know if I'm changing my process there as much as I'm just recognizing that because of the way I look at it, this is sort of where I'm at, and those are the guys I will miss on as part of my process. Um, you have to accept that too, I think. But you know, it's worth thinking about how you can balance all the information intake, which is sort of my first... Which is what the very first thing I said, right? Like, you should try to figure out how, how to balance the information intake. Um, and I think that's part of it. Now, on the analyt analytical side of things, um, Jameis' lead was wondering, um, is there a common trait? You touched a little bit on this earlier, but is there a common trait among those who have had a good analytical profile uh, that don't pan out in the NFL? Um, and, like, what would you say is the most predictive analytic for wide receivers? Um, I'm sure you've all heard of like dominator ratings and market share um, being too like those are all threshold metrics and people treat them like having 40% is better than having 30% when they're both really good right um, for me I look at that I look at years in college as being a good signal um, trying to think about like signals that good signals and good analytics profiles i don't think that i don't think that question exists if it was a signal in analytics profiles like bad draft capital and a good analytics profile is a bad analytics profile you know what i mean right. like yeah it does seem like a little bit of a catch -20. it's a bit of a misnomer it's a bit it's a bit of a misnomer to me because it's impossible to be a good profile and still be like it's impossible to be bad at something and still really be a good analytics profile you know what i mean like you it's hard to knock somebody for being good at something you know totally. i think that's i think that's i think i can't really answer that question in terms of things that people are high on that they shouldn't be high on um, i talked about dominator being a um threshold metric i talk about breakout age etc but i'm not really sure uh, there's a good way to do that and following up on that, Adam wants to know, what about good draft capital? 
um, and bad analytics. Yeah. I said this before, I think, in the Discord. They'll, those prospects are going to drag me kicking and screaming up a board. Um, I won't choose them. And at some point, you kind of sit there and make gambles. Like, okay, um, Tony goes really high. Um, I know Adam's really high on Tony. Um, yeah, is he... <laughs> um, it's kind of nice being nice being doing this in a server I kind of know. Um, I is Tony somebody like at the end of the day is Tony somebody I'm willing to take a gamble on despite not liking them. Um, and you know, I don't think any of his profiles line up to me. Um, he doesn't win the the ways I think he should win. Like I don't think his the ways he wins is sustainable. Um, so at the end of the day, it's what bets are you willing to make based on all of the information that you take in? And that's part of the information taken is also deciding how you use it. Um, and I probably won't own any, um, and that's probably, I, I'm okay with that. Just like I'm okay with being wrong on Ayuk and, um, other players like that, if that's why I'm wrong, all the power to you. If it happens enough times, I'll start thinking of reevaluating. But I don't think I think people will like him far more than I will like him and would be far more willing to make that bet. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, well said. Um shifting gears a little bit, uh we have a lot of questions here um specifically about the dynasty process. Um, I'm sure you thought I was going to say something else. We we do have a, a lot of crazy questions to get to as well. Those are a little lower on the totem pole, though. Uh, but we did have a massive influx on questions um, asking why there is no uh, light mode. Why there is no light mode or why there is no dark mode oh, or... excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> why do you insist on using light mode even when it is scientifically proven to be worse? Asks Mask. Or Max. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, ask me anything and I will answer in truths. Um, and the truth of the matter is I use dark mode. But my name is Solar, um, which is a play on the name Tan, right? And I thought it would be really funny, and I still find it incredibly hilarious to play like I really like light mode. Um, and to, <laughs> like, when I take screenshots, change my screen, my Discord, and other things to light mode when I use, when I do stuff. Um, I actually don't hate light mode. Um, it's really interesting to talk about light mode and dark mode, um, but from it's it's really funny because at the time at the very first parts of my dynasty like a programming career and web development career, it was very difficult to make a good dark mode, and I wasn't really a web developer at the time, um, so the very easy templates were all. Bootstrap and Bootstrap 3, which was the platform that I was using at the time, 
um, came native in light mode, and it was quite a lot of work to rewrite a whole bunch of CSS that I wasn't really interested in trying to figure out to make dark mode work. And it's really only in this last two years that dark mode has dark mode has a um, like all of the work. Like if you think about light mode, it's not just that it's white. There's a whole bunch of shadows and grays and lighter, like light whites and dark whites. And if you ask anybody who's really into UI and UX, light mode is not just pure white, and it's not just a matter of flipping the script on light mode to turn into dark mode. Like it's not just like um, you know, like you used to be able to do it. I still think you can, where like you press three buttons on your home button and your phone like flips all the colors that's not dark mode that's like accessibility mode but it's only really recently that the tooling has come out to support a true dark mode with all the right colors and stuff um like all the right shadows all the right like you know buttons and fonts blah 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 um that support a real dark mode that's like a true pretty to look at dark mode and that's why when i came out with the mobile calculator it only was dark mode because that actually supported that that framework supported dark mode um if you really want further evidence that i have been dark mode for a while um you can look at you know my twitch stream which i just started my ides are dark mode um i'm not averse to light mode i've used light mode in the past i'm okay with it um, I like it as a reminder on my production servers and stuff. I switch the theme there to be light mode. So it gives me a sense of I'm on my like home machine when I'm in dark mode and when I'm light mode on the other thing. Um, but it's also really funny and I really enjoy the meme of being solar, solar mode, light mode, all of that stuff. Really funny brand. And it really pissed everybody off. And I really fed on that for so long. Um, that it, I still really enjoy it. Um, I was going to say, you know, I don't think you can use that in past tense here. Uh, the chat I still really enjoy the, it. The chat is currently lighting up, and I think this... Uh, <laughs> the the history of the Discord AMAs ha, has been pretty short, but this might catapult this to be the most controversial yet. Um, <laughs> you're on the verge of being cancelled and being in the Hall of Fame uh, for that. Um, so thank you for granting me that breaking news. Uh, Breaking news, um, Solar likes light mode for the memes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, out of spite. Uh, out of spite! I actually really enjoy it when it pisses everybody off. The blinding, the blah blah blah, blah blah blah, blah blah blah. It's a meme, and I really enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, well, Immense satisfaction. I, yeah, I can tell. Um, <laughs> Sam wants to know, uh, is there a mobile app in the future for Dynasty Process, or will you just stick with the web app? Um, also, when are we getting Dynasty Process stickers? Great questions. Um, I don't really have an interest in reinventing the same thing. Um, and I'm not really a... like. As much as I'm an app developer and a web app developer, I'm not really like I am an I'm not a program like a like a true mobile app developer. If that makes sense. Um, there are a lot of frameworks that I can plug into, and um, R and Shiny have improved significantly um, in things that they're able to pro provide. 
um, not least of which includes dark mode, like we were just talking about, but also a true mobile-first app platform that I can like hook into, customize for myself. But really, like it does all of the work for me. So what you see right now is, as far as right now, anyway, like it's as far as Dynasty Process Calculator will go on mobile. Um, it's a progressive web app. So what that means is you can um, bookmark it to your home screen on your phone um, and it will be a like it is basically a full calculator app yeah like it is fully like not a browser it is a mobile app and that's as far in my mind as I'm going to take um, apps as far as that that's as far as it's gonna go mobile wise I don't think I have an interest at this point um, in doing a true mobile app, storing data on your phone, syncing like from my server, downloading the data onto your phone on a scheduled job. Um, I'm not. I don't think it's going to go that far. I don't think there's a real benefit to it um, in my mind. So it's not really going to go there. Um, it does mean you need to be connected. It will disconnect you just like it does on a web app um, if you. Like stop looking at it for a while. Um, it does mean there's no user data being collected, which is actually a good thing for you. Um, and it's not really storing any data on your phone, um, but it is like a mobile app in that you can like fire it up from your phone um, from a button, and it will go straight there with no browsery kind of um, overlays. Totally. Um, I think that's as far as it's going to get. I'll have a few more things. I have a few things that I think should fit like that ep i'd like to get there one day um so i because I, I check it on my phone and i find myself like you know doing this all the time totally. uh, um, but yeah yeah so kind of like with the with like the rough roadmap i guess um pat bones asks what would have been some of the biggest challenges with the dynasty process uh, both at its start and as its tool expanded and grew um and then what also what areas um, in the dynasty football landscape um, are you looking at as potential opportunities that similar sites or tools maybe aren't addressing looking ahead? This is interesting. Um, I've never really thought about, sorry, just run that by me again, the whole yeah. thing. Um, I guess the, the first part is just uh, what have been some of the biggest challenges with the dynasty process, both at its at its start and as it um, as its tools expanded and grew. Um, and then after that, what are some areas that you're maybe looking at as potential opportunities in the dynasty landscape that other similar sites maybe aren't doing? Yeah, um, the biggest, the, honestly, the biggest challenge and it's not a programming challenge it's a positioning challenge and whether i've wanted to take this for money um the idea of um one of the biggest things i've been stick handling and i've stick handled the entire time i've been doing dynasty process is whether it converts from a hobby to a job and whether I want it to collect revenue and I want to make a profit on it and I want to make it a good, like you know a service that people pay for, um, you know I wouldn't have what I have today if I 
decided at any point previously that I wanted to make it a paid service. Likewise, I put far less effort into it, really, than you know any other calculator does on a day-to-day -day basis. I put a lot of thought into it, for sure, um, especially when I first came out with it, and it's, even now I think about it a lot. But I don't put as much direct work into it, if that makes sense. Um, it has grown enough now that it's starting to cost me a little bit out of pocket to maintain a server for it. Um, the web app, you know, AWS buys things. Can you still hear me? Uh, yeah, I can still hear you. Um... Okay. Um, sorry, just kind of clipped. Um, it's that's. I think the main thing is kind of balancing the idea of people telling me, you know, do you want to take it? Do you want to make it big? Do you want to make money? Do you want to? Um, do you want to like take it somewhere? And for me, I've never really like I've wanted, I've considered it, and I've thought about it, and it's been appealing. But the idea of making it a service and making profit on it means that it, I'm committing a lot more to it. I'm committing a lot more energy to it, a lot more money, and you earn a. It's a job because you are seeking out more money for it and you do what people want. Whereas for me, I don't want that. It is my hobby. It is my project. I do what I want when I want it. And I do things because for whatever goals I want, whether it's, you know, I have a lot of friends who could really use something like this, or um, I'm sharing knowledge, or I want to learn, or I want to get better at doing something, those are the reasons why I do anything. Um, I don't think about it like I want. Like I've, people are like, I would love it if you like made it a paywall thing so that my league mates couldn't use it. But I, if like, <laughs> so I care. So I want to pay you five bucks, ten bucks a month. I don't care, whatever, right? Like, it has been appealing. Um, you know, I wouldn't have the size I have today, but at the same time, if I took one percent of the people who were currently using it and they all paid me five bucks a month or something, just like every other dynasty site, you know, I'd have some chunk of money for sure. And, you know, um, at the end of the day, you know, it's one of these, do you do it for love? Do you do it for money? Right. And I think that's one of the challenges I've thought about and brought about on myself. And, you know, then I have to start worrying about is my calculator better than the other calculators that are out there? Um, is it a better value offering than the other ones that are out there? Um, if I was selling if I was selling it, I wouldn't be able to work at like DLF's trade analyzer, which is for money as well, right? Like there are a whole bunch of conflicts that happen that I'm able to stick handle because I choose to do it when I want to, how I want to, and people understand that if they're paying me, it's because they're donating. Um, I don't Discourage nations, I definitely like. Will take them. I'd love it um, if you guys wanted to pay for my server. Uh, if you guys joined up and each paid, you know, two bucks or whatever, you'd get to the total server cost pretty quickly. Um, but that's not neither here nor there. I have earned far more from the overall process. I like totally switched. Like I started the dynasty process. I made Excel sheets. I made some shiny apps. Um, I started the the very first iteration of Calculator. Um, 
and then it got me a job. Like it totally changed my career. It changed my life. Right. Um, I owe it far more than I owe myself in terms of switching, um, turning this to money. Right. Like I owe it so much the from friends from data from my whole like my whole new career all of that stuff comes from the fact that i didn't try to start charging money for it immediately um and you'll find that in the circles that i run around in on dynasty twitter on fantasy twitter on discord um generally being into it because i care because i'm interested because i want to learn is very different than being into it for money um, and it's a pitfall that I have stick handled. Um, I've been tempted. Um, I feel bad because I end up making that decision a lot. And sometimes I wonder if Joe wants to do that because he does as much as me. He started, he wrote the very first calculator. I didn't write the first calculator. I wrote the very first Excel sheet, um, generated the values. I didn't write the first calculator. Um, eventually I took that over because he was more into the researcher side of things. But, you know, I have. A ton of respect for Joe. Um, he's done a ton for me. Um, he'll say that I've done more for him. Um, this is one of those relationships where um, friendships, where it's one of those um, we feel like we owe the other far more. So um, it's really awesome. Um, but you know, our friendship wouldn't have happened if I was trying to like keep the code secret, which I still kind of do. Um, I like just recently put it live, but I owe the process of sharing my work has given me so much more, has earned me far more money because I, I make more now in data than I did as a property manager um, in business and real estate, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it's totally worth it. And it's worth more than if I had stick handled for money. And I'm very glad that I avoided that pitfall early on. Um, still do today, really. Um, I've thought about, you know, what would I do if they pay, like what services could I provide above others you know, places, what, like, what niches could I fill? If I don't, if I don't, if I don't think about it for the money, I do what I want. I do what I think is fun. I do what's cool. I do research that I don't think people are doing. Um, but I don't have to worry about what makes, what gives me more value than everybody else. I don't care. That's the short answer. I don't care. Have, uh, have you considered making dark mode maybe a premium feature? I did at one point. I made, I literally like, I like, uh, I made Nimrod pay. Like, I was like, Nimrod, if you really want it, I will copy another, I will make another instance of this app and I will literally maintain it by copying and pasting this and like changing the theme on it and whatever. I told Nimrod, like, you, 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 you do some kind of payment. Um, I will consider it. And literally like five minutes later paid me. And I was like, holy shit, people will actually pay me for this. What? And then, like, you know, went around, like, two minutes later, copied and pasted, changed the theme, whatever. I didn't like the theme because the theme at that time was kind of shitty. Um, but whatever, kind of rolled with it. And, you know, would I make it a premium feature? Sure. Um, I think it's, a, like, I think I'd lose more, though, right? Like, again, it's dark mode now. Everyone loves it. Like I've had no complaints about why is there no light mode? Nobody nobody complains about it. Like people who fan dark mode, right? Like no one cares. So if I took it away, people complain and stop using it, and you know then it's just annoying. Then I just hear about it, right? Like 
it's funny when I'm making the meme. It's not funny when I keep hearing it like in my like inbox. Why is there no dark mode? Oh my god! <laughs> right. like, I don't care. I can see that getting pretty, pretty old. Um, <laughs> Earth wanted to uh, say piggybacking off that last question, um, more so the aspect of looking at other areas, maybe that you're that the dynasty process isn't currently involved in, but opportunities for the future. Um, what tools or research do you use to update your calculator to be more accurate slash descriptive? Um, and how do you try to avoid overfitting? Yeah, um, my model, my value modeling has been pretty stand, um, pretty, has been pretty, I would say static. It does update itself. Like it remodels itself pretty frequently. Um, but the only thing, like the things I'm running modeling are, on are the um, the rookies, like the rookie picks, um, which is based on rookie, like historical rookie data. Um, and previously, this is new. Like this, this, this might change. This is probably going to change in the future. But previously, Fantasy Pros didn't do Superflex. Um, so I developed a model that fit one quarterback rankings to become super flex rankings based on other like one QB to two QB rankings at the time. Um, it's probably not handy. It's probably not necessary now that there's a pretty good base of rankings for super flex. It might still use it. I, I kind of like it. I don't want to like go away from it entirely, but I think it's, that's, that's really the main modeling that goes into the, um, That goes into the calculator values. Um, aside from that, like you know, deciding the the right model for every league, I kind of gave up on that. Like I was saying earlier, I don't think that one number exists anyway. So I slapped yeah. a few sliders on the ex exponential equation. You change it directly. You ch when when you change the depth slider, I'm not applying a calculation. I'm changing the coefficient of the model so that it changes the value. Um, when you change the rookie valuation slider, it changes which of the two model rookie pick models that i'm using um so those things i think i stop really worrying about um overfitting i stop really worrying about it for that calculator because it does what i wanted to wanted it to do which is looks at fantasy pros converts it to dynasty rankings this is what expert overall think players are worth relative to each other um and it still does that job well i think um you know i do other research now i haven't really got a new update to that calculator yet um there are other things i'd like to get to at some point uh, which i'm probably going to tackle on stream uh this over the next month i think um i stream i started a twitch stream again in the vein of showing my work um it's quite R code heavy. Um, it's actually, it is a live coding of R stream that codes stuff for fantasy football. Um, so if you're in stream and you want to talk about fantasy football, I'm happy to do that, but I won't be like researching on stream. Um, what I'm doing there is a rankings app that I've been referring to and wanting and talking about for ages. And one of the really interesting things that I think hasn't been explored yet is getting each person to do their own ranks, like start with fancy pros, move players up and down, and then understand how far away from the average they are. And 
can you capture like those are the trade opportunities right like if you're really high in Ayuk, i'm going to pick on nick because nick and i talk a lot um <laughs> if you're really high in Ayuk, you are in x percentile that means like you should you should own him everywhere and you should buy him everywhere right and you can really understand those kind of relationships even when you don't like sometimes you're like you don't know you're the highest person on this player anywhere you know what i mean like those are the things that i think aren't being tackled right now is a rankings app for everybody um dlf has an interesting one written in php for their rankers to do stuff um but for me what i want to do is kind of like take your ranks compare them to fantasy pros say you are like 99th percentile 99.7 three standard deviations away from mean here so you are ridiculously high on this player um another a person who comes to mind there's a dlf ranker named john hogue who has like rogers like three standard deviations higher than like fantasy pros than dlf average like it's crazy um that person like those ranks I want you to understand that you are really high on that player. So you're probably wrong, given wisdom of crowds. If you're really confident that you're right, you need to make decisions based on this strength of confidence. Um, where you gain value by trading for the players you're high on. Right? Like, at the right cost, getting the right value back. And having, like, my I, like what I'm hoping for with this rankings exercise is to take... A Twitch like to take the rankings app, you play with it. It I think right now I'm I'm envisioning that it has to be done on a computer. Um, I'm looking I'm looking I can look into mobile, but we'll start with computer for now. Um, do your rankings and then import them into a calculator again, probably desktop because that's the easiest one for now. And see like make a trade. You your values say this. Your player like the the fantasy pros rankings say this. So you know. The trade is a is one percent in your favor for fantasy pros, but twenty five percent for your rankings, etc. And that's something that I I'd like to get to over the course of the next month. I'll be working on that app in stream, um, so you guys can come join, check it out, see how the sausage is made. It's probably very nerdy. Um, not that you guys aren't nerds, but this is like <laughs> data R programming nerd. Um, so that's sort of where. I think I'm going to do some work this over the next month. Anyway, um, we've got Joe and I have some work that's getting done uh, right now in terms of predicting future values of players based on past data, um, which is interesting and in trying to convert that into a calculator value. Um, I don't have a ton to share on it. He's kind of leading the research on that. Um, and we're trying to get to a calculator recommendation, um, talk about the range of outcomes for a certain player we're talking about some comps um, we've got all kinds of those kinds of things going on uh, which is not that different from what's going on at every other dynasty shop but it's ours and it's the research questions we're interested in um and the apps that we're interested in at this moment kind of skimming very highly over those right now nice um yeah to to kind of really get into the nerdery for a second nick wanted you to elaborate a little more well i guess give everybody like an elevator pitch uh standing r um why it's a good language for people learning to code to get into and why the package you created and maintain is cool or like a, why it's a big deal 
Um, and he also said bonus points if you compare and contrast with something like Python, which is uh, the generally recommended starter language. Yeah. Um, R is partially a right place, right time thing um, for me. But it's also, I think, the it's the most common language among NFL analysts and fantasy analysts, if you will. Um, there is some Python going on. Um, R and Python are roughly comparable, except R is more geared to... It was initially developed for um, statistics, math, uh, and data. And at the very heart of it, it is data first. Um, the tidyverse is makes things very, very easy to work with. Um, it simplifies the, the context a lot. Um, it's very approachable. Um, but you learn the programming language that fits the community that the community you want to join already uses. And that's the reason why I use R. Um, the reason why I stand R is because I think it is super good at supporting beginners until they're effective coders. Um, you know, that that the Tidyverse ecosystem is incredibly strong for supporting um, beginner R users who are like statisticians, right? Like they're math people, but they're not necessarily programmer people. You know, like you don't need to be a computer scientist to learn R and do good work in data. Um, there's people like me who make um, FF Scraper, which will interface with, as of today, MFL, Sleeper, Flea Flicker, and ESPN, reach their APIs, and you don't need to know how any of those things work. You just need to, like, put the functions, like, put the stuff into the arguments, and, like, you just need to put the right arguments in, and it will return roster data, it'll return dynasty process data, it'll return schedules, it will return standings, potential points, all that stuff very easily because the open source community is very strong, um, especially within the football community, um, within fantasy football, me leading some of that. Um, and the beginner support for like the tidyverse set of packages, I think is very strong. Um, and we share, we, we kind of make it so that you fall into a pit of success. So that even if you don't know what you're doing, chances are you're going to try to do it right. Um, I feel like, you know, Python can be harder to pick up. There's more of a computer science-y background to it. But R translates well to SQL, um, which is, you know, another language, you know, kind of better suited for large tabular data, um, et cetera. And so it's a programming language that I think really works if you are wanting to get into fantasy football because of FS Scraper, because of NFL Fast R, because of NFL data, et cetera. Those are reasons to get into it. Um, that's where that's the community that you're getting into. And it is an incredibly supportive community that will help you learn and support each other. And it's very, very, very open source. Um, those are, that's the, I don't know what, two minute pitch on R um, and why I use it. Uh, I'm very active in R community. Um, I'm on the R4DS Slack channel, which is a channel for learning how to do R and asking R questions. It's kind of like friendly Stack Overflow. Um, Stack Overflow is not friendly, decidedly not friendly. Um, so, you know, it's kind of one of, it's built as one of those um, places where you can ask any questions, AMA, 
um, and we'll try to help you kind of thing. Um, and I'm, you know, the community of R is fantastic. Love it very, very much. Nice. Um, when it comes to the the actual uh, calculator for Dynasty process, uh, Big Bob Craft wants to know: Have you attempted to quantify um, a player's decision making or spatial recognition? Um, have you identified any patterns or processes that could be used to optimize player development? I don't think I have a say in player development. Um, that's kind of the realm of coaches. Um, I don't think I'm doing anything for player development, per se. I would probably say I'm... So, spatial data... So. Spatial data is not free. You have to pay for it. Um, so there's not a lot of work being done in the open domain for spatial data. The most you can get to is um, a few contests, a contest that the NFL is trying to get better at. Oh, sorry, the NFL is trying to get better at open spatial data. Um, there's a contest every year called the Big Data Bowl that the NFL does. And it they at that time, they release... A, like a like a half year or a full year's worth of NFL spatial data that they ask the public to start researching questions to, and we're all starting behind because people work with this data every day, have a huge um, have a huge advantage on it. But that's where you could pick up some stuff. But there's so much spatial data. Like if you think about like play by play data as being a million rows, there's 11 million there's 11 play there's 22 players on the field and there's snapshots being taken every second right like there's so much data you can't just wander in and use it and the, even if you do we're asking research questions about players like NFL specific like how do NFL teams win we're not asking about fantasy with spatial data right now um, and I don't think we're going to be at that stage for, I'd say five years at least, maybe maybe ten. Um, depends on how quickly it becomes public data that we can. Um, that goes for things like routes. That goes for things like uh, player speed, player tracking data. Those are all things that are still outside our grasp um, in terms of fantasy. Um, in terms of NFL. It's starting to become there they're starting to encourage it but you know i don't have time to sit down and do the big data bowl um right now um between you know it's a lot of people have time for that or previous experience doing it um i don't think i have the chops for doing it um effectively right now although people tell me i'm a better art programmer than I give myself credit for so you know i could probably like figure it out if i really sat down and spent three months trying to figure it out but um it's probably not gonna affect anything fantasy wise immediately um yeah that's spatial data i don't remember what the other part of the question was uh that was the development which you said you don't yeah there's yeah. Really a good way to do that um max did want to know when you work on the calculator um do you assume that there's a formulaic value drop off by adp spot like is the 112 adp player going to carry um, the same value in your calculator year over year, or um, do you kind of look at it like as the season approaches? Do you look at 
kind of the ADP of where players are going and weigh it that way. Did that was that rookie specific? Uh, no, it doesn't look like it was rookie specific. So um, feel free to okay. clarify either way. Yeah, uh, it is formulaic. Um, the Fantasy Pros average rank, if their average rank forty point three, their calculator value will be the same, unless I change, unless I like drastically change it. It will be the same. Like forty point three is forty point three is forty point three. Even in Superflex, in one QB, etc., the players change value, but the value, like, because it's a linear, like not linear, it's a transformation on Fantasy Pros. If Fantasy Pros number always translates to the same value number, unless you're physically modifying the sliders. Gotcha. Um, so. Yes, it's consistent. It is always going to be consistent with Fantasy Pros. I don't think the Dynasty trade calculator will change in that respect at any point in the near future. Um, if anything, it will other like I'll probably come up with a second calculator that does something different if that if that algorithm changed. So I'll support this in perpetuity, um, but. In terms of like maintaining it on the server, making sure it's updated, um, making sure the player update process continues, but the value modeling doesn't change that frequently. And um, speaking of changes to the calculator, Mad Cows wants to know: um, Do you have any plans to replace ECR with another source that can be collected or automated? ECR is automated to me. Um, I scrape it every week and different player like different rankers are included in that scrape based on uh fantasy pros freshness um or what have you i wouldn't necessarily consider something else to be more automated because i think rankers like rankings are the most up-to-date way barring a few other ways um i'm a fan of keep trade cuts stuff um in terms of direct players but i think that's almost too reactive um but I do, I think rankings is a pretty good way, especially when you have a lot of them and you're not like doing the ranking yourself, to to go through and calculate those, um, and to like harvest new rankings from people is very like efficient for me. I don't think that it's um, a consuming process at all. So I wouldn't. I'm not looking to switch to ADP. ADP is actually like significantly worse. Because ADP is stale the moment you get it, right? Like, it's historical values. And the moment anything changes, like, you can't really update ADP without recruiting people to draft more. You can update rankings by just getting the latest rankings from somebody. Right. So I think, that, I think, I think rankings is more accurate than, more fresh than ADP. And following up on that, um, they also want to know, do you have any plans to um, obtain tight end premium data to calculate values? I don't. Um, until Fantasy Bros comes out with tight end premium specific rankings. Um, I am working on such a thing for DLF. Um, so, show alert, go to DLF for TE premiums um, <laughs> in the near future. Um, 
it is on our radar. People are asking about it. Again, this is where that job thing comes in. Um, you know, it is a reference anyway, but if you are looking for it, there is some math that can be done to transform it, and um, it'll go to DLF first. If at some point I put that over to Dynasty Process, it will be, like, significantly later. Um, but it is possible at this point anyway. Like, anything that uses trades can, like, split out the effect of tight end premium trades. Anything that uses rankings, you can uh, you can force people to rank tight end premium. I don't have a, a, an army of rankers. I just use an existing one that I found. Um, so that's where that that's where that primarily comes from. Um, there's math that you can be that there's math that you can do to create tight end premium equivalents. You'll see that at at DLF's calculator in I want to say the near future. It's on. It's one of our early projects this year. Cool. Um, and just in general, a bunch of people were just wondering if there was anything, um, you know, spanning the, uh, the, the large amount of work that you do that you're excited, um, to work on this year that you haven't talked about already, um, or anything that, that you can share with us that you're, that you're, uh, maybe getting excited about. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, I got into, I was talking, uh, so one of my new projects this year is Twitch. Um, and I'll be sharing, I, I'm a huge fan of Austin Cleon and his work, um, Still Like an Artist, show your work, keep going, um, book rec right there if you want to read, if you want one. Um, and that's going to be my main project is just being consistent about sharing and like giving people portholes into my processes. Um, I talked about rankings app being something I'd like to, like, I'm excited about and think that like, there's definitely applications to be done. Um, I think that's that's the early stuff. Um, I'm not sure that there's another research question I'm looking at directly. Um, I know Joe is working on some kind of forecasting um, and player comparison modeling um, to kind of get a range of outcomes for future years, which I don't think I see enough of in fantasy. So that's kind of where I'm going with that. Um, we're we're working on it, but he he's kind of leading the research into that. Um, yeah, I think that's really it. Um, I don't think I have anything major going on at this point. Otherwise, cool. Um, well, Burn Burn wants to know: Would you rather have five Darren Sproles sized Calvin Johnsons or one Calvin Johnson sized Darren Sproul? Sproles? Five Darren's like in an NFL team. I'm assuming. Uh, um, it doesn't actually provide a context, so <laughs> you can really run wild with this question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw something about ducks as well, but we'll go with the we'll go with uh, in an NFL team. Um, Calvin Johnson's thing is size, right? Mm-hmm. Like he is freakishly fast, but he's like, oops, I didn't mean to use freakish. I'm trying to avoid that. Um, he is, like, ridiculously fast and athletic and ag- agile for his size, right? Like, everything about Calvin Johnson is kind of like, and he's huge, yeah, right? Like, like all of his high-pointing, right? And if Darren Sproles was Calvin Johnson's size, 
think about how how much agility there is right there, right? Like if Calvin Johnson was as agile as Darren Sproles, was as fast as Darren Sproles, right? Darren Sproles was freaking fast. Yeah, that's got to be the answer. Like it clearly, that's the weapon. You don't need five people who are short who can catch really well and run good routes. Calvin Johnson dominated physically. So if you give Darren Sproles Calvin Johnson physique, that one, that one right there, yes. <laughs> Just throw dump-offs every single play and enjoy your championships. Darren Sproles c- could catch, though. He could run routes. Yeah. Like, it's not just dump-offs. Like, I don't think, like, you know, Darren Sproles got dump-offs because he was short. That's not, like, if you take that really? away. Yeah, I'm, I'm not using he's a the vastly amount difference of player. As maybe I should be with this question. um alb wants to know what's an all-time favorite song of yours all-time favorite song um so i'm very guilty of um chris saka does this looping certain songs for productivity um so you know, songs like um, Jay-Z's Lift Off. Um, there's Elton John's, like, I'm Still Standing kind of came out, came and went. And sometimes you'll find me, especially if I'm in, like, a deep work zone, like, this, like for, like, a whole day listening to the same song on repeat. Um, but those are all boring. Oh, um... <laughs> confessions i once won a bet that i could memorize and sing on cue the entire lyrics to let it go from frozen no yes <laughs> i once won like a hundred bucks because i could do it and sing it on key the whole song word for word and that is that has happened and i've done it I can't knock the hustle there. Yep. <laughs> um, oh, we, you know, we did get a lot of comments earlier um, when you were uh, referencing uh, stick handle. I'm <laughs> assuming that that's a uh, Canadian um, idiom. Do you mind maybe explaining that a little bit? Stick handle? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people were saying that was a Canadian thing. You mean like when you when you use a hockey stick to move... Oh, it is a Canadian thing. (laughs) (laughs) When you move your hockey... When you use your hockey stick to move a puck around the ice and around people, that's stick handling. And so, like, when you're, like, doing a lot of finesse movements to try to, like, get around... Like, try to, like, navigate obstacles with a hockey puck and hockey stick on your hand, like, in your... Like, a hockey stick in your hand and a hockey puck on your stick, and you're, like, getting around people and, like, moving your puck and, like, trying to get, like, get to, like, get try to make a move and like you know what do you call it what, do you, what, what would be equivalent be like navigating bombs or something like i don't know Whoa. like <laughs> no like, the jump to make um yeah i don't know i'm trying to figure out like what the equivalent would be of like ducking and weaving yeah. um I'm, I'm 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 trying to get that image of like ducking and weaving but i'm trying to i i like i don't know i blame june for that one <laughs> um yeah yeah, I don't know what the equivalent 
idiom would be. But the idea is doing something with a lot of finesse and being really careful and trying to navigate obstacles. Okay, yeah. So, uh, I, don't, I don't know, like walking the tightrope or thread, threading the needle. That's like Threading the needle is pretty close. Yeah. Um, less wiggly, though. It's, that's more like one time. Yeah. It's like the candle is kind of like over like the course of whatever, and you're kind of like going back and forth on something. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I'm glad that you cleared that up because, uh, and then that chat was on my side with that one because I, to be honest, I wasn't. Exactly sure I didn't even think about it being Canadian. That's uh, hilarious. I mean, you know, we we got hockey down here, but it's it's a little bit of a different. Uh, it, it's it's catching on. It's getting there. Um, Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess to you know we had a lot of questions that were uh, really absolute nonsense. Um, most of them from Vern. Many of them were, like scatological in nature. Um, I, I so bright. Yeah, got it. <laughs> so I, I think a good way to to wrap this up maybe um, is with uh, McCheesit asked, "What is the most up close and personal you've gotten with a moose?" The most up close and personal I've gotten with a moose. Um, I haven't had any like close encounters with like a car or anything. Um, but there is a park in Ottawa called Park Omega, and it literally is like a park where you can like drive into the park and like all sorts of wildlife is being kept there, um, including moose. And, you know, they'll come up to your car. So, like, you can, like, feed them carrots and other stuff out of a car. Um, out of your car and, like, feed them treats and stuff. And that's, that's, it's kind of an amusement kind of thing. I haven't personally seen one. Um, but, yeah. Unfortunately, a little bit disappointing on that one. I don't have a good moose story. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, that's totally okay. Um, we did it, you know, maybe, I feel like we... Do you have a word that you like that rhymes with orange? Umaro wants to know. Umaro rhymes with orange. True. Absolutely true. Um, <laughs> well, okay. I think that's a good spot to, to, to end that off at. Um, do you have anything that you would maybe like to plug or, or anything that you want to put out there that maybe hasn't been asked or anything like that? I don't think so. Um, nope. I can take more questions. I can actually jump into the stream if you guys are still here and want me to answer a question live. I can take some. Um, but otherwise, um, I'm st I started a new Twitch stream, um, which I'm working through right now. It's on Saturdays at 8 p.m. EST. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Tanho. The Twitch stream is at Tanho underscore. Sorry, they don't do underscores first in Twitch. Um, they, uh, Dynasty Process, um, has quite a GitHub page and apps page, but you guys already knew that. Uh, I think that's it. Cool. Well, yeah, it looks like, uh, we, there's not really any more questions left in the chat. So yeah, thanks so much for taking the time, Tan, to, to come on here and share with us your sage wisdom and give us kind of a background look into, uh, dynasty process and the extremely controversial uh the light mode dark light mode. mode i think that's, that's gonna I, be, uh you're, you're gonna be 
uh, carrying that weight for a while, I think, around uh, around here. So, I think that's interesting. And I mean, I think it's one of those memes that I thought it would be as much of a meme as it turned out to be. And so I've been sitting on that for two years now. But I think it. I think it's time. I think you guys should know. Like, you should, I don't want someone to come onto my Twitch stream and be like, "Oh my god, why is your why is your Twitch IDE dark mode?" And then like troll my Twitch feed because that's that's totally not what I need to hear. So that's why. <laughs> yeah, get 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 that out of the way now before you blow up on Twitch and you have a bunch of dissenters in chat. <laughs> <laughs> not what I need. Anyways, thanks for the thanks for having me on. Um, it's really interesting to consider myself part of the expert crew but uh all in all had tons of fun yeah totally uh yeah thanks again for coming on and everybody for tuning in i uh, really appreciate everybody's time and um yeah everyone look forward to uh our next one on on the 16th i believe um just keep an eye out for that we'll have the the channel up to ask questions there and um yeah thanks for tuning in